want to make something clear at this point. Adria is the only one that can be asleep in the service today, okay? <laughs> Nobody else has permission <laughs> to do that. <laughs> uh, we'll be in Matthew if you want to turn there, Matthew 5 again. We received news that the underground church in Kabul, Afghanistan, has been martyred. Our friends have been in contact and met together last night in deep prayer. The last word she spoke from Afghanistan was, We feel your prayers because this supernatural boldness came over us. And we were singing in the Spirit. Even the kids said, Mom, we will, not, we will not deny Jesus. As they were on the phone, they heard the screaming and the gunshots. God is so powerful. They went to be with the Creator, filled with joy. Keep praying, they say. The reward is great. May the enemy encounter Jesus and His love that they may repent. Last year I read where 35 pastors from Afghanistan signed a document that they were forced to sign. And they did it gladly and they said, yes, I am a pastor of a church in Afghanistan. And I am proud to say I am the leader of that church. And they signed their name on that document knowing that someday probably it will fall into the wrong hands. And they would be signing their death wish. But they did it gladly and they did it willingly. And they did it rejoicingly because they refused to bow down and deny their Lord. That is the kind of faith that we are called upon today. There are 340 million Christians around the world that live in areas that are persecuting Christians and discriminating against Christians. It is believed that there's over 100,000 Christians this year have been killed. It is believed that there's over 5,000 people and churches that have been attacked just this year because of their faith. There's been thousands and thousands of Christians all over the world that have been thrown in prison and and. And the key has been locked and they've thrown away the key for absolutely no reason except for the fact they were born-again Christians. In India, they've refused to uh, give COVID aid to Christians. I had a friend who went on a mission trip to India about three years ago. And he got there and he stayed there for a couple of days. And, and as he was doing his mission work there, uh, the villagers came to him and said, you've got to get out of here. They're looking for you, not to pat you on the back. They say that North Korea is the number one country in killing Christians for the last 20 years. Their streak is intact, a sad commentary. In America, we are seeing laws now that 
that uh, are in direct opposition to God's Word. Even in America, sometimes when you read directly from God's Word, that has been called hate speech, even though we read it right from His Word. There are churches that were shut down during COVID. I mean, we know that that, that was the first group that they looked at shutting down. And they had stronger requirements on churches than they did in any other any organization. Christian speech and Christian conservative ideas uh, have been censored, have they not? Where the Christian voice is, is harder and harder to get out there. And it's a struggle. And, and obviously censorship is unconstitutional, but for some reason it doesn't seem to stop them from doing that. A few years ago, uh, the IRS targeted conservative and Christian groups trying to harass them and take away their tax-exempt status. And you say persecution is not in America. I say it is. Maybe not to the point where we're taking people's lives because of Christianity, but it's begin slowly coming in to America. And what are we going to do about that? i got to encourage you and urge you today. Man, we have got to be all in. We've got to be committed. We've got to be uncompromising in our faith. And the Bible says when you are that way, you will be able to endure to the end. Christians, we are to endure to the end. Those sweet people in the, in the underground church at Kabul endure to the end. We must praise them for their faithfulness. Well, what does the Bible say about persecution? And that's where we want to go there today. And we're looking at the end of the Beatitudes, and that's in Matthew 5. And we're going to read Matthew 5, verses 10, 11, and 12, and we're going to look at those today. And let's see what it says. It says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus says. And in verse 12, which absolutely makes no sense, it says, Rejoice and be glad. (laughs) For your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As I, as I read that first word in verse 10 and the first word in verse 11, it says blessed. You are blessed when you are persecuted for my sake. And I think just a little bit, that word blessed in those two verses take a little bit stronger meaning than it does in the first uh, six or seven verses where it says blessed are the poor, blessed are the mourning, blessed are the peacemakers, uh, blessed are the merciful, the gentle, the blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Yeah, yeah, but they're all blessed. But this seems to be just a little bit stronger blessed because we're talking about people that are being persecuted. And he says you are blessed if you're being persecuted in my name, I think he's talking about, Jesus is talking about the kind of blessing that says this, that it is a deep and abiding, unshakable joy rooted in the awareness of God's promise, rooted in the awareness and rooted in the assurance of God's promise now and forever. 
We've talked about this many a time, and it go. I always keep going back to Romans eight twenty eight, where it says when God's going to take all those things that happen in a person's life, and He's going to twist it, and He's going to make it into my good, and for His glory. And you know that's awful easy to say, right here. That's awful easy as we're sitting in our air-conditioned church in our padded pews and we've got our Bibles and we've got our, our phones and we can read God's Word and it's so easy to, to make that as a definition. But how does that fit with the church of Kabul? How does that definition fit with what happened to those sweet people? Well, I can tell you how it fits. You see, when, when they were sitting there and the gunman came in, they said, I have a boldness that is unspeakable. And he said, when those gunfires shot, took off and the bullets hit those people taking their lives, I can promise you this right now, that God had already dispatched his angels to come and get those folks. And those folks were escorted into the very presence of holy God. You see, how good is that? For us, that's not a good thing while we live on this earth. And for their family members, that can't be pleasant. But for those folks that gave their life for the faith, guess what? It is for their good. Because you see, now they have stepped into eternity with mighty God. They are now walking the streets of heaven. And they are beholding the face of their Savior. They are rubbing elbows with Peter and Paul and James and Matthew and all those guys, Billy Graham and all those guys. And you see, for us, it's bad. But for them, God said, I'm going to make that good. And they no longer have to deal with this old life here. You might say, God bless them. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. It don't get no better than that. That's what happened to these people. Well, you say, how is God going to get glorified in something like that? I mean, well, let me tell you. Can you imagine if you were one of those gunmen and you go in there and you're fixing to fire that gun at them and here they are praising their Lord. Here they are not afraid to die. Here they are being strong in their faith and it's just got to somehow put a question mark in those murderers' minds, why would anybody stand that strong for something? As word gets out across the, across the world, I can guarantee you that it has emboldened and empowered and encouraged Christians all over the world when they see what they did in that underground church. It's going to encourage others to do the same thing. And guess what happens? God gets the glory on that. Every time Satan tries to stomp out Christianity and the gospel through persecution, what happens? It just, he can't do it and it just spreads to other places. That's God's glory. So will God get glory out of that massacre? Yes. Do the, do the people uh, get the good out of that? Yes. You see, God's promises never fail. He never forsakes. We might think it's bad for us, but for them... They are now sitting in glory. It can't get any better than that for them. I think when Jesus was writing this, verses 10, 11, 12, I can't help but think that he was looking back and he, and he saw the Old Testament prophets and how they were persecuted. 
And I think he might have looked forward to his, his persecution for the next three years, what was he going to have to put up with? And then finally, at, at Mount Calvary, when they crucified him, I think he looked forward to that suffering. I think he looked forward to the disciples that 11 of the 12 would be martyred for their faith. Some of them crucified, one crucified upside down. And they died for the cause. And I think he sees that and sees what's happening. I think he saw Stephen as Stephen gave him the gospel. And Stephen stood strong in the faith as they were throwing stones at him, trying to kill him. And he stood strong. And the Bible says Jesus was standing up from heaven watching it. The first martyr. I think Jesus maybe was doing one of these. Because the guy was giving his life for the cause. I think Jesus saw the six million Jews that died in the 40s around the world. I think Jesus saw those 100,000 that have given their lives already this year for the cause. I think Jesus saw that little church in Kabul, Afghanistan. I think he saw that. And I can tell you, Jesus sees us when we are persecuted, when we are harassed, when we are threatened, when we are mocked because of our faith. Jesus sees that and he saw that and he's thinking about that and what does he say he says blessed are you when people when you are persecuted for my sake see he knows what's going on he suffered persecution so will we someday and then he says you're blessed and then he says you yours is the kingdom of heaven we're going to come back to that kingdom of heaven here in just a second. Okay? You know, persecution is kind of a paradox, is it not? Persecution around the world just shows you how, uh, how miserable this life can be. It shows you how sin has controlled this lifestyle. You see, here we have people that are living the righteous life. We have people that are standing on God's promises. Here we have people that are spreading the gospel, that are really trying to do good for people. And what happens to them? They are ridiculed and mocked and threatened and beaten and sometimes killed. See, it should be, that's just backwards, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the bad guys deserve the persecution, not the good guys. But it's been that way for a long time, hasn't it? Because when you think about Jesus, I mean, he lived the perfect life. And he talked about loving. He talked about forgiving. He talked about a home in heaven. He talked about it going to paradise, which is heaven. And yet, what did they do? They killed him because of it. Why, why are Christians persecuted today in today's world? When, when people try to live a holy and a sanctified and a separate life and, and to live a life that is pleasing to God... Why don't people like that? Why don't most of the world like that? Well, let me tell you. It exposes the sin in their life. It exposes the sin in their life. Because, you see, people don't like that. You see, most people in this old world, what do they want to do? I'm going to live my life how I want to. Ain't nobody going to tell me what I want to do. I am going to to pursue my desires, I'm going after my passions, and I don't need a God telling me, restricting me on how I want to live. And whether or not they say it or not, 
with their actions, that's what they're saying. That we don't care. I am going to do my thing. And when we see people living the Christian life and the holy life and the sanctified and the separated life, it just shouts at them. I'm not that way. I'm not that way. I'm not that way. And they become in opposition to those. You see, the ungodly, they want nothing to do with God. And they want nothing to do with people that are trying to live the life, the godly lifestyle. They want nothing to do with them. You see, the ungodly in our world today have passed laws where the government says it's okay to kill innocent babies in the womb. The ungodly have said we're going to pass laws that are in direct conflict to God's word and we're going to make you like it. We're going to make you think that, that we're in control and that we're going to make you do things and like things that, are, that God has called abominations. The ungodly in this world are trying to pass laws that keep parents from parenting their children like God has told us how to parent children. The ungodly want nothing to do with the things of God. And when we see these things happening in our lives and we see these laws passed, I've got to encourage you guys, we have got to take a stand. We have got to be men and women of faith that is uncompromising. We've got to be men and women of faith that said, I'm standing on God's word no matter what. That I believe that, that what God has said is right. And when they try to shout us down, when they try to insult us, when they call us all kinds of names because we're standing strong for, for the things of God, we've got to be committed, already committed. We can't be committed after the fact. We have got to be committed. We've got to know what God's Word says. And we as believers got to stand strong or else we'll all fall. If we as God's people do not stand against the evilness and the ungodliness that we're seeing in our world, the question is, who will? And the answer is no one. Unless you and I are willing to stand for that. People have lost their jobs because of their faith. People don't get promotions because of their faith. People don't get invited places because, because when a Christian shows up, everybody else feels uncomfortable. We really don't want him there because we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing and we know it and the Christian just exposes that all because of one's faith people are shunned at work people are shunned at school people are made fun of at school families are split over people's faith the Bible says all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted boy that's a fun verse 1 Peter 4.12 Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's among you. 1 Peter 4, 16 says, If anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, for he is to glorify God in this name. Boy, that's encouraging, isn't it? Those are some great verses. Man, I'm fired up now. Be a Christian. Yeah, persecution is going to come. Man, don't be ashamed. Don't be, don't be worried about it. Good stuff, huh? It uh, doesn't sound that way, does it? But God's always got a good word, does he not? He's always got something for us here. He always encourages us. And like I said before, we've got to be sold out to God. 
uncompromising faith. And when we are like that, and when we are willing to put up with the harassment at work and the harassment at schools and the people speaking and the people mocking us, God's Word says, Jesus says this. He says, you are blessed because of it. And he says at the end of verse 10, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God wants to reward his people when they stand strong for him. Well, you say, what is, what is, that, what is that, uh, that kingdom of heaven kind of a deal? I mean, what, what just is that? I mean, if I'm going to do this, I mean, I need to know, I need to know what I'm going to be inheriting here. I need to know what this kingdom of heaven really is. Or else why would I ever stand like those folks at Kabul and take a bullet for the faith? Jesus said, I promise you this. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. It also sometimes is referred to as the kingdom of God in this. There are five characteristics of the kingdom of heaven that I want you to just get real quick. The first one, the first characteristic of the kingdom of God is that it is right now. When you became a Christian, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you became a part of the kingdom of heaven. When the Holy Spirit came into your life as a seal or as a down payment or as a stamp of approval, you became part of the kingdom of God. Romans fourteen seven says this, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's nothing greater that we can have in this lifetime than Jesus Christ living in us. Nothing greater. The kingdom of God says you have that right now if you've been born again. Second phase of the, of the kingdom of heaven is it is the present age. It's whatever generation we are in. And as Christians are living out their life in this imperfect world, we are called to be dependent upon him. We are called to add, let God work in us. We are called to gain encouragement and power and boldness from living this Christian world. And he says the kingdom of God is, is within you, yes, and it is right now as you are living the word. We know for, uh, Philippians 4.19 says what? He's going to supply all your needs. And he wants to do that. He wants you to let him do that. Supply all your needs during this, during this time. Philippians, uh, Philippians 3.14 says this. He says, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling in God. In Christ Jesus. See, the kingdom of God is right now as we live our lives and we depend upon Him and we press on, keeping strong in the faith. A third characteristic of the kingdom of God is our future, and that is in heaven. When we are transported from this old world to heaven, the Bible says we have a home in heaven forever, do we not? If we have been born again, the kingdom of God is heaven itself. To live with him, to rule and reign with him, to be his subjects forever and forever. John 14, 3 says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. You see, the kingdom of God is, is within us It's as we live, and it is our future home in heaven. The kingdom of God is also the millennium age. That age at the end, almost at the end of time, where the Bible talks about there's going to be a thousand year reign 
of Christ and of us. And it's going to be a thousand years of almost perfection. For sin is not allowed during that time. Except for at the very end when Satan is released. And then there's going to be some issues there. But we will be able to be a part of the millennium. Part of that thousand year reign here on this earth of complete perfection. Where we just worship holy God. We get to be a part of that. Because we are part of the kingdom of God. And the last characteristic of kingdom of God is our eternity. Our new heaven and our new earth. The Bible says that one day God will purify this old earth right here. And he will burn everything that has any sort of hint of sin. He's going to completely wipe it off. He is going to remake, if you would, the Garden of Eden. That's going to be all over this old world. And guess what? We get to be there. As born-again believers, when we are part of the kingdom of God, we will be there forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. What a privilege it is when we got we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior that way. Second Peter 3.10 says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. That's that burning. And the earth and its works will all be burned up. But that is not to scare anybody because we're not going to be a part of that. Second Peter 3.13 says, But according to His promise, we are looking for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. The new heaven and new earth will be paradise. 2.0 if you would. He's going to make it even better, bigger and better than the Garden of Eden. And guess what? You and I get to be there forever and forever where righteousness dwells in perfection. You know, isn't it cool that the kingdom of God is like that? The kingdom of God is within us because of our salvation. The kingdom of God is here as we live and we depend upon Him. The kingdom of God is heaven above where we will be. The kingdom of God is the millennium, the thousand year reign of perfection here on this earth. And the kingdom of God is the new heaven and the new earth. And Jesus says, when you are persecuted for my sake, that is for you. I'm giving that to you. That is your inheritance. That is your reward. That's pretty cool stuff. You're being persecuted. And yet he says, I got something really better for you. And that is this kingdom of God. And then in verse 12, he says something kind of odd. He says, Rejoice and be glad <laughs> when you're being persecuted. Boy, I never think about that. For your reward in heaven is great. For your reward in heaven is great. When you are being harassed and mocked and criticized, okay, Jesus says, I don't want you to be dis- dis- in despair. I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to be dismayed. He said, I want you to rejoice. Be glad in it because, because you are just, what's happening to you has happened to all of my people down through the ages. Don't be sad. Don't be like that. Just rejoice in it. And as I thought about those folks in Kabul, as, as the gunmen came, were they not rejoicing in the Lord? 
It says they were singing praises. And they had a boldness. And even their kids said, man, we're, we're, not, we're not denying Jesus. Because they had the inheritance of the kingdom of God. You know, I got to thinking about that. And I got to thinking about where it says, your reward in heaven is great if you're persecuted for my sake. And, you know, I got to thinking about that. How, what, what does that mean? That your reward is great if you're persecuted. And I don't know if I came up with an answer. But I did come up with this thought. If the kingdom of God is God within us and we have been saved, why have we been saved? Because we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. How can we depend upon the Lord as we live here on this earth? Because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. How are we ever going to get to heaven? Well, the only way we're going to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. You see where I'm going? I'm going slow for you, but you see where I'm going? How are we ever going to participate in the millennium, the thousand-year reign, where, where the Bible says we are priests and fellow rulers of this world? Because of who? Jesus Christ. How, how are we ever going to be a part of the new heaven and the new earth? It's only because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You understand? The reward is great, and in some ways I'm thinking that reward is great. And who is that reward that's great? I just think it's just Jesus. I think the reward is just Jesus because he has done everything that you and I need in order to be a part of the kingdom of God. And apart from Jesus, you got no hope. You got no hope. Because of Jesus, our now is very secure, is it not? Because of Jesus, our future is very secure. And because of Jesus, our eternity is very secure because of Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake, he says. Yours is the kingdom of God. And I guarantee you, every person that died at that Kabul church the other day, they would tell you without a doubt, the reward for living the Christian life, the reward is great. Wouldn't change it. And it's all because of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Do you know him today? Do you know who Jesus is today? Have you ever accepted him as Lord and Savior? I mean, if you haven't done that, and you are persecuted, you got no hope. <laughs> you got no reward. You got no kingdom of heaven. But if you have Jesus, you do. Have you ever accepted him as Lord and Savior? Have you ever said, God, I, 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 I need my sins forgiven here. I, I, I need my slate cleaned up, wiped clean. Have you ever done that? If you haven't, today would be a good day to do that. Did you know it? <laughs> I 
mean, it'd be a great day to do that. Because everything I said, if you would just do that, everything I've said today will now apply to you. What a great thing. No matter how good you've been, no matter how bad you've been, no matter what you've done, God loves you and Jesus died for you because he wants to live with you for an eternity. If you have never done that, today would be a good day to do that. Ron, as we begin our invitation time. Let's bow our heads, please, as we begin this time of invitation. I hope the message has been encouraging to you. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't like saying this. But the Bible says that as believers, we will be persecuted. We will be mocked. We will be ridiculed. And he said, don't be ashamed of that. Don't run from that. Because he says, all of my people... That happens to them sometime in this old world. Rejoice and be glad that that persecution and ridicule has come to you. Because it just proves to you and to me and to all of us that you've been born again. I pray today that everyone in this room has been born again. If you have not, this will be the day to come and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And God's word says, and you shall be saved. If you've been persecuted and ridiculed for your faith, don't be down. Don't be sad about it. You've got a great inheritance coming your way someday. If you need to be stronger in your faith, you need more of a backbone, if you would, of your faith. You want to be standing tougher and stronger in the faith in, in, in sight of opposition. Man, ask God to give that to you. He will. Ask Him to prop up those legs of faith, if you would. Make them strong as steel. When persecution comes, you're already prepared for it. I want to ask you today to do business with the Lord right now. The altars are open. If you're looking for a church home, this would be the place to be, I think. Come and join us if you would.